This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Hope everybody's doing okay after the the big storm that blew through South Carolina this afternoon. I think it's still making its way across the state. Here in Columbia, happy to announce, at least here in downtown Columbia, where we are, everything looks okay. Towers are still up. Looks like the sky is clearing. That storm moving towards the east. So if you're on the eastern side of the state, I think you still have it coming your way. So hang on. A lot of wind, a lot of rain, etc. It'll pass through here pretty quickly, though, I think, based on how it came through Columbia. So we're good, and we're looking forward to tonight's show with you. Our phone number, 888-898-2525. National Championship College Football is in the books for 2023. What would you think of last night? What would you think of the season overall? What do you think about 2020? Four, as we go into yet another new era of college football. From the BCS to the college football playoff of four teams to the college football playoff of 12 teams. And once we get tired of that, we'll probably expand to 24 teams or even more. But Michigan, at least for now, is your national champion. I say at least for now. Does an asterisk go with that because of what could happen down the road with the NCAA? And, you know, you had a head coach who was suspended for half the regular season, alleged recruiting violations, alleged sign-stealing scheme and all that. Have we heard the last of that, or will that continue to simmer in the background? Will the NCAA actually look into that and in some way uh, threaten the championship that the Wolverines won last night. I mean, I really can't think I really can't think of a more deceitful way to run a football team during a season than to have a sign stealing operation going if that is indeed true and it helped you win some games. If that is indeed true, I think there should be a a a harsh penalty to pay there if it is indeed true. Time will tell. If we continue to go down that road, I kind of doubt we'll see what happens. I kind of doubt Jim Harbaugh is going to be around to see it anyway. You know, I, I think he's headed to the NFL. I would if I were him, I'd get out of Dodge. You've done what you promised to do when you came to Michigan by hook or by crook. I think I'd find me a nice cush NFL job somewhere. And you've proven you can win in the NFL there's opportunities out there awaiting and maybe more to come. I mean, there's people who were saying that the Cowboys, if they lose to the Packers on Sunday, that McCarthy could be in trouble there. I mean, he's done a heck of a job. Of course, he's one of my favorites because he won a Super Bowl with the Packers. He's done a good job. 
But with Jerry Jones as the owner, who knows what goes through that that old brain, (laughs) that tightened old brain. Uh, That's Chris Bergen joining in. Pat Daniels here as well. And our phone number is 888-898-2525. So what would you think? I did hit it. Let's see. I think I predicted 34-17. Turned out to be 34-13. Sounds right. I was I was disappointed in Washington's performance, and I think a lot of that goes to give credit to Michigan and how good they are on defense. They made Penix look really, really average last night. He had a couple of opportunities where he just missed wide-open throws, so he was not nearly as sharp as he was in the Sugar Bowl against Texas, and they needed him to be that good, if not better, against one of the best defenses in the country. I was awfully impressed with Michigan on both sides of the uh, lines of scrimmage. I mean, especially considering they were going up against what a lot of folks believed, and they were voted as one of, if not the best offensive lines in the country in Washington, and they made them look average at best. Uh, They constantly were putting pressure on Michael Penix, uh, wouldn't allow him to get out of the pocket all that much. He made some some bad throws, and and Michigan made him pay for it. And I was awfully impressed with the way they were able to run the football last night. I mean, 300 yards rushing in a championship game, uh, you don't see that all that often. And so a lot of credit goes to Michigan. And to your point about an asterisk, I don't mind them giving one now, if the NCAA wants to come and hammer Michigan right now, that's fine with me because I agree with you. I don't think there's a more deceitful way to run your program if all of what we've found out this year is true. What I don't want to see is 10, 15, 20 years from now the NCAA come back and say, you know that championship back in 2023 by Michigan, they cheated to win it, so we're going to take it from them. Mm-hmm. When none of, the, none of the parties that are involved right now have, would have any bearing or would care. Mm. You think Jim Harbaugh is going to really worry about it while he's sitting on his, you know, Barca lounger in, in retirement 20 years down the road? Yeah, they took that championship, but we all know who the best team in the country was. We proved it on the field. Yeah. So yeah. go get them now or just leave it alone. Old fashioned Michigan football last night, just mm-hmm. lined up, no ran the football. J.J. McCarthy showed off his athleticism a time or two as well. I mean, he's hard to, to corner, uh, but the, the running game, they had it going. They had it going early. Uh, but, you know, Washington had a chance that that holding call on the offensive tackle that wiped out that big game, that was that was huge. That they they that holds up. They go down and score. Mm-hmm. We might have had an exciting finish. But, you know, and, and people were complaining. If- people were complaining because there was holding throughout the game. They weren't calling it earlier. Similar type holds, and all of a sudden now, Washington gets a big play. Here comes the holding call. (laughs) And he had two or three penalties in that drive alone, if memory serves, that kept canceling out big plays for them. So, yeah, you're right. Had some of that stuff gone gone their way as opposed to going against them, maybe it's a different game. But I still think even if it's, say, you know, 24-24 late in the fourth quarter, Michigan's got the ball, I'm not so sure Washington would have been able to stop them. They did play a lot better defense uh, from about the second quarter on which I was impressed with how they made the adjustment to start slowing down the run game. But when you give up two long touchdown runs early in the contest, it sort of sets the tone, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, what, 46, 41 yards by Edwards? Mm-hmm. And, and they were often, often running. Okay, so we've got the national championship behind us. College football has been put to bed as far as on the field. Of course, it never really sleeps. we got plenty of stuff happening still with recruiting, and coaches will be changing spots. I mean, if – if Harbaugh leaves Michigan, that means Michigan's going to go hire somebody. I doubt they would promote from within. They're going to go hire somebody from somewhere else, which is going to open up another job. It's the uh, domino effect. So probably got all that to look forward to if indeed that that comes to pass. I don't know 
which NFL team? You know there will be NFL teams that will make a run at him. Vegas, you hear a lot about Las Vegas, possibly. Though there are people out there that want to see, is it Antonio Pierce? They want to see Antonio Pierce get that job because yeah. of the way he mm-hmm. did things. But you know what? You know, Mark Davis, he's as, he's as odd as his dad. If he was going to think along those lines, he would have hired Rich Basasha as his head coach because Rich Basasha in an interim position got him into the playoffs after John Gruden was run out. So and a lot of folks thought Basasha should have gotten that job. So who knows what, what they'll do there. Of course, you got the Panthers job open. you got the Commanders. Now you've got uh, Tennessee. The Titans job opened up today. Uh, I have a feeling that Robert Kraft is not going to uh, part ways with Belichick. I think, really? Yeah, I okay. really do. I think – I think they're going to hang in there together. I think he's going to weigh the history. I think they're going to look at the staff, uh, make some changes, make some moves, add some people. You hear a lot about Josh McDaniel maybe coming back and being Mm -hmm. a part of that staff. Certainly don't make him a head coach. I mean, how many times do you get a chance to fail as a head coach in the NFL? That guy has had more than ample opportunity. Um, I just have that feeling. Because if he was going to do it, I mean, he would have done it, I I think. There's no reason to – drag this thing out they don't drag things out in the nfl they they part ways well you saw what the falcons did <laughs> yeah, at 1201 the next day boom so <laughs> that's another one that's open of course the falcons so but wait real quick just jump in there even with mike vrabel being fired with the titans and his long storied history with the patriots as great of a coach as he is you don't think that might almost be a perfect passing of the baton between belichick and vrabel i could see vrabel joining the staff with an idea of replacing Belichick in a let's get it fixed and let him ride off into the sunset yeah. and then you step in. I could see that happening. I could see that happening. That makes some sense. Yep. All right. Also, tonight, speaking of coaches, speaking of outstanding coaches, Bobby Bentley returns to Sports Talk tonight, 705. As you know, he's going to be the head coach at Battleground Academy in Franklin, Tennessee after being in college coaching for a lot of years, South Carolina. Then he went to uh, South Florida. Then he was at UCF as an analyst this past season. He was at Auburn, spent a little time at Clemson. Of course, was the head coach at Presbyterian. So now he's going back to high school coaching at Battleground Academy in Tennessee. He'll join us at 7.05. We'll get some final analysis thoughts from Zach Willis on last night's game at uh, 7.35. And, of course, looking ahead to basketball, South Carolina and Alabama tonight, 7 o'clock tip in Tuscaloosa. Here's another good contest for the Gamecocks to show what they are all about. Mm-hmm. And can they uh, – of course, they've won everywhere except at Clemson. They've won on the road. They've won on neutral. They've won at home. Now they go to play Alabama. Alabama coming off a win over Vanderbilt. As we talked about last night, it's a high-octane offense – they have the SEC's leading scorer, a little guard, a left-handed guard in Mark Sears, who's, who's he's a tough cover. I wonder who will draw him. You put Michi Johnson on him, maybe? Um, they have some bigs inside that uh, are tough around the rim. This will be a good, a good test for the Gamecocks. Go in and win this one. You will open some eyes. You will be. Uh, SEC team of the week. I think going on the road to win in Alabama. This is a tough week for the Gamecocks. They agree. got Alabama on the we on the road, mm-hmm. and then Missouri on the road. 
and they have not won in Alabama since 2009. So, Phil, huge litmus test here. And you look at what they did last year against Alabama, the same team, but with Brandon Miller, who was mm. you know consensus All-America uh, last season, despite what he did off the court and never got punished for that. But nonetheless, they had to deal with Brandon Miller, came back, scored, what, 41 points in that game last year, and they still almost beat them. So, I mean, if, if South Carolina can find a way, you know, defense, that old saying, defense travels – well, we're going to find out tonight the number two scoring offense in the country in Alabama, the number 18 scoring defense in the country in South Carolina. Something's got to give. But if they could go in there and knock off Alabama and do something they haven't done in 15 years, uh, that'd be an impressive win and a great way to keep this season going. I saw today, you know, the latest Joe Lenardi, uh, Bracketology, he's moved them out of the first four in, I think it was, or the last, you know, the next last, whatever he's got. Mm-hmm. He's got about 75 teams to get in. But uh, they've moved up to a nine seed just based off what they've done the last couple of weeks. They go beat Alabama, get another quad one road win. Uh, that would certainly lock them into the tournament if it started this weekend. But again, yeah. it doesn't start for another two months. We got a long way to go. He's got Clemson dropped, right? Clemson dropped in yeah, his seating. Uh, four seed. Yeah. So we got a long way to go. There's going to be a lot of ups, a lot of downs uh, as we go through it all. Our phone number, 888 898 South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. We got time to take some phone calls here early on. So go ahead and give us a call. Let me update a. A few other things, Michigan and Washington last night, the most watched national championship game in four years, up 45% from last year. You know, it's got to be the gambling. I just, these numbers that television is putting out, NFL, college football, I know it's popular, but it's got to be that so many people now are wagering on the games or wagering on the players or wagering on plays that's got to be reflected in these in these TV numbers, these enormous TV numbers that we're seeing this year. Well, I think last year you had Georgia and TCU, and I'm not sure anybody outside of Fort Worth actually thought that the Horned Frogs would give Georgia a game, and they obviously didn't. So I'm sure that plays into it a little bit. And I think probably also there are a lot of the casual fans that are like, hey, it's somebody new playing in this. It's not another SEC team. It's mm-hmm. not Clemson. Somebody new that we get to uh, watch. So I'm going to tune in and see how this one goes. And going in, I think everybody uh, felt like it should be a pretty good ball game. Maybe didn't necessarily uh, have the finish that we had hoped for, like, say, the uh, Rose Bowl did. But I think that's part of it. But I, I, you, you've got to be right, especially with the NFL games. I, I think gambling is, is such a – Big, big factor in the popularity and fantasy football from the NFL's perspective. But I think probably for college now, you're starting to see people who don't, you know, don't follow college football all that much that would have made a wager on last night's game. Let me ask you guys something, too, that I've been thinking about here the last week or so that kind of bothers me. Maybe not bothers me, but intrigues me. But, you know, we've got television-wise in this country with the NFL and college football, you've got ESPN slash ABC, you got NBC, you got CBS, you got Fox. They're all doing football, right? So, and they're taking ads from the various gambling outlets, your fan duels and uh, the like, MGM bets and et cetera, et cetera. But only one has moved forward to create and start their own sports book. That's ESPN. ESPN bets. I mean, that's not advertising. They are an actual sports book. Just like Bet Online, 
just like anything out of Vegas, just like FanDuel, um, they set odds and they take bets and et cetera. And you get your money, you put your money into ESPN bets and you get your money from ESPN bets. Correct me if I'm saying anything that's out of line here. So I was thinking, so here's ESPN, a media company. You have ownership in leagues and teams by virtue of the fact that you you're paying all these billions of dollars. You've got employees embedded within leagues, within teams to cover those teams. And now you're running a gambling operation. And I thought to myself, well, you know, what could possibly go wrong here one day when it comes to gambling and insider information trading and things like that? You see where I'm going? Is that at all is that at all possible in this situation? Or do you think they've got all kind of uh, firewalls set up and protections to where that could never happen? I won't say never because anything is possible. I would think it'd be awfully, awfully difficult. Now I'll, I'll trace you back to the, what was it, Alabama baseball uh, sc- uh, scandal with the gambling and how, how quickly that was picked up by the NCAA and, and other people, partly because the guy was dumb. But hmm. nonetheless, you know, most criminals are not the smartest people on the planet. But that being said, I think ESPN has probably established enough firewalls and with their employees that they understand there are certain things we can't do. The NFL would not allow them, Major League Baseball, all the professional leagues certainly wouldn't allow them to have uh, shaky possibilities where they could, you know, fix lines and that kind of, that type of thing or leak out information that shouldn't be leaked out to the public because, uh, I mean, they, the pro leads have to take a very, very hard stance. And I think now college is going to have to start doing the same thing because there's just way too much money involved. But – with that said, anytime you have way too much money involved, there's always room for a scandal. There's always room for cheating. There's always somebody trying to get over. Yeah. All right, let's just sit back and wait and see what happens. The AP ranking, the final one, came out early this morning. Of course, Michigan won, Washington two, Texas was three, Georgia four, then Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, Missouri, Ole Miss, Ohio State. That's your ten. 11 through 20, Arizona, LSU, Penn State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Kansas State, Louisville, Clemson. And then it's NC State, SMU, Kansas, Iowa, and Liberty rounding out the top 25. Now, as far as Clemson is concerned, Clemson, 20th in the final AP ranking, up six spots from the previous ranking. Two voters had the Tigers as high as number 14. Ten voters left the Tigers out of the top 25 in their entirety. Since finishing number one, tell me what you think of this. Since finishing number one in 2018, the Tigers have finished second, third, fourth, 13th, and 20th in the last AP ranking of a season since winning it all in 2018. So on the one hand, hey, top 20 team, Happy about that, but a program that has been in reverse since winning it all and then losing in the championship game the next year and then backsliding to third, 14th, 13th, 20th. What do you think? I mean, they're about 100 
20 programs that would probably take the last five years of, of Clemson football. But that being said, uh, Dabo's obviously got an issue. He's got to try and figure out it. Part of it is, let's face it, they don't have a generational quarterback like they had during that stretch. You don't have Deshaun Watson walking through that locker room. You don't have Trevor Lawrence. They've got a very good quarterback, I think, a Kate Klubnik, who can turn into an outstanding quarterback. I don't think he's going to be elite like those two guys. I'm not sure that Dabo's ever going to coach two quarterbacks any better than the two he had when he made his national championship run. So that's part of it. I don't think they have the quarterback play that they've had the last several years or back when you know Trevor was there in particular. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the problem. Problem. You backslide a little bit when you don't have quarterback play. And another question, how is Georgia ranked ahead of Alabama in the final poll? Um, it's a good question. Let me think about that. Um, you know, it's the poll. It's the voters. They can use their own opinion in voting, and I guess they figured not going to punish Georgia for not making the playoffs. For losing Georgia- to Alabama. Well, they did lose to Alabama, <laughs> yeah. But Georgia has – I mean, Alabama has – Two losses, right? Yeah, Alabama yeah, but- has two losses, um, and so it's a good question. It's all opinion. I mean, they made the final four. Shouldn't yeah. the final four be the top four? I mean, you you put Texas in there at three because mm-hmm. they lost to Washington at two. Are you saying so that a, does- a team losing in the final four should not be penalized by the voters? I, no, I don't think so at all. Yeah, yeah. And and you're a conference champion on top of that. Georgia's not even a conference champion. Yeah. Does the level of defeat that Georgia had over Florida State play an impact here at all? Mm-hmm. It probably does. Yeah. It probably does. It shouldn't. I realize Florida, Florida State, State was missing half their team. team. Right. Yeah. But still, at the end of the day, they did beat the team right behind them. And, Chris, you bring up a good point. It makes me immediately think perhaps the committee regretted putting in Alabama over Georgia. Maybe they felt as if they had to put in Georgia – I'm sorry, put in Alabama because they did win the SEC championship game. And how would it look if you put – Georgia in over Alabama, even though I fully believe Georgia, I would take Georgia over Alabama if they played 10 times right now this season, I would I would think Georgia would win eight or nine of those games. I think they were head and shoulders above Alabama. Alabama just happened to be the better team that day in Atlanta, but I can't help but wonder if maybe the committee regretted that a bit, and now maybe this was them just correcting that decision. And Alabama got a uh, favorable call, as I recall, in that SEC they championship did, yeah. game as well, but all right. Um Games should matter, though. Yeah. I mean, head to head should right. matter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I still think Georgia, I think I agree with you that Georgia was in the top four, but I would have put Alabama in there maybe. I mean, here we go with the thing about head to head, but, you know, Texas. Uh, would Michigan, Washington, Alabama, and Georgia have made for a better? Final four, of course, the two semifinals were outstanding. So, oh yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a lick of difference there between the four teams in the semifinals. Um, now we've got a problem with the championship game, right? Because we had a blowout <laughs> exactly. last year. We had a blowout. Well, it wasn't a blowout, but we had a decisive win this yes. year. Mm-hmm. Used to be the semifinals were uh, one sided. Uh, all right. So, uh, what else I want to tell you here, real quick, and we'll get to phone calls after the break. Triple eight eight nine eight. 2525 and let's see Charleston Southern has announced their football schedule for this coming season. They're going to open up against the Citadel on August 31st and then they will play and that'll be at home. They're going to host the Citadel August 31st. Then go to Furman, then go to Richmond, then go to Tennessee State. Then host Western Illinois, 
then visit Lindenwood, October 12th, host Southeast Missouri State on the 19th, host Tennessee, no, go to Tennessee Tech, October 26th, host Gardner-Webb, host UT Martin, finish up at Eastern Illinois, and, of course, their traditional season-ending game at Florida State. Uh, on the <laughs> on the twenty third, everybody looks forward to that traditional season ender between Charleston Southern. Maybe they'll catch Florida State having to play their third string quarterback. <laughs> Why are they playing Western Illinois and Eastern Illinois? That's not a. They haven't moved into any kind of a league or anything like that, right? No, just, they're still in the Big South and a southeastern Missouri. They, that's a very interesting schedule. A lot of directional teams in there. Western Ill, at, Eastern Ill, and Southeast Mo. Well, and Phil, those games have the little asterisks beside them, so I'm guessing maybe there's a – if is the Big South – the Big South may have a crossover with whatever league yeah. Western Illinois and Southeastern Missouri are in. You're right. So they play games. Yeah. Uh, that may actually count as a, a conference game. Yeah. Scheduling yeah. deal. They do have a – you're right. That brings to memory. They do have a crossover deal with them. Okay, we'll hit the break on Sports Talk. Come back and take some phone calls in a moment. Terrible news about John Morant uh, last night. John Morant, Sumter native, star in the NBA, out for the season, torn labrum, got hurt in practice on Saturday. What a tough year for him. 25-game suspension. He comes back. I think he played nine games. Now he's out for the season with that torn labrum. So tough, tough deal. Our buddy Dennis Brunson, he writes us and says, how is Texas ahead of Alabama? Texas lost to Washington which got handled by Michigan, which Bama took to overtime. Bama three, Georgia four, Texas five is how he would run them. All right, again, I'd still – I wouldn't put Georgia in the top four. I mean, you're dealing with conference champions, and that should matter. And Georgia's not one, but, you know – I, now, now, as Pat pointed out – Do you, out, do if you, you, do you it, degrade – I hear you, but do you degrade a team for losing in their – conference championship game after they ran the table through a 12-game regular season. They lose their championship game. Okay. And if Michigan and they're not lost technically, last night. And they're not technically the, the, the conference champion. Right. If Michigan had lost last night, are you going to degrade them and, not, and give them the national championship? They had to run the table. Well, no, because the way the system is set up, it's a tournament. You know? Exactly. And they won the tournament. They won mm-hmm. the, the two-game tournament. Georgia was denied tournament access because they didn't win. It they was like a one SEC tournament. It was a one-bid league. <laughs> right. The SEC was a one-bid exactly. league this year. <laughs> exactly. And they lost. So, you know, they lost in their tournament and their, and their one-game tournament, and, and yet and and they were left out. But I mean, I think if you polled college football fans across the country, they would to be honest with you, and they were to put politics and and leanings aside. If you were to say, do you, you think Georgia was one of the best four teams in the country this year? 
regardless of what happened in the SEC championship game? I think they say yes. I, I bet would, you I 99% of the fans would say yes. I would concede that except for that last thing you added, except for the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. That has to matter. If it doesn't, why are we playing those games? And there's a lot of people out there that Money. view those conference championship games as the quarterfinals of the playoffs, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Georgia had a chance to get into the Final Four. They lost their chance. Mm-hmm. Well, we've yeah. seen teams got- lose in their championship games and still get in the Final Four. So it's not necessarily a play-in game. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But you had a unique year yet this year because mm-hmm. you had all these conference champions who are undefeated. Yep. And then you had you had to deal with Alabama and Texas, <clears throat> who had one loss, as did Georgia. But Georgia, uh, to me, was immediately elim- eliminated because they weren't a conference champion. I wonder if any coaches out there had incentives in their contract that because of these final rankings that we're discussing lost it. Like a Mike Norvell, he finished Florida State finished number six. Wonder if he had anything in his contract. You finish in the top five, you get a million bucks. Well, that's or the that's, Kirby Smart top three mm-hmm. or yeah. Alabama top four for Nick Saban. Now yeah. they got moved back to number five. That's got to be the saddest story in the country because there is no question with their quarterback healthy, they were a top-four team. Florida and, State? Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, with their health, with their agreed. quarterback and the way he ran that offense, Jordan Travis, and the way they played behind him and then everything else evolving around him, they were a top-four team. They could have made a run for the national championship with that quarterback but I think the committee was right not putting them in without him I think it proved out that uh, of course uh, they were decimated they were decimated after not making the Mm -hmm. the playoff and and all those players leaving they were just a shell of themselves when they played when they played Georgia I'm not saying because of that performance the committee was correct I just think without their quarterback especially one the level of Jordan Travis they were just not the same team and I think you have to look at that when you're, when you're subjectively deciding on the four best teams to get into a, uh, in a playoff like that. And I will say this. I hope the FBI gets all the letters that the College Football Playoff Committee and the death threats and the like they got from Florida State fans, and they prosecute every single one of them. It's a football game, people. Mm. What, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there, there, was, there was news reports out yesterday that many of the CFP committee members got death threats for leaving Florida State out. Are, are you kidding me? That's pretty scary. How out of whack is, are our priorities with regards to sports in the United States when that happens? And I hope the FBI prosecutes every single one of them. Yep, if they can hunt them down, yep. um, that should not happen. That's just, no, certainly should not no happen. No, there's no excuse for that. All right, basketball. we got South Carolina-Alabama, lone game involving a state team tonight. But elsewhere, you got Missouri at Kentucky tonight. you got Wake Forest down at Florida State, Duke playing at Pittsburgh, Texas A&M at Auburn, Notre Dame at Georgia Tech, Vanderbilt, which lost to Alabama this past weekend, plays at uh, LSU. So there you go with the schedule involving SEC and ACC teams for the coming week. See what South Carolina can do when they tip it off uh, a little bit after 7 o'clock in Tuscaloosa. Good opportunity for the Gamecocks to really raise eyebrows and uh, make some early noise in league play. I mean, you know, half the teams are one and zero, and half the teams are zero and one after after Saturday. I love the way the SEC does it, though. I love the fact that they, you know, did not play any league games until Saturday. Everybody started on Saturday. I love that way the ACC handles their basketball schedule. All right, uh, what you got? Before we move on to the caller, real quick, we have Hank in Columbia, or actually, he's in Alabama right now. Up first with us, 
But first, I want to pose a question to y'all, and, and Hank can then weigh in too if he'd like. So we talk about, you mentioned earlier, are we going to have an asterisk next to this national championship for, championship for Michigan? Will we look back in the history books? Well, the things that jump out first to mind to me are either the Patriots back in their Spygate scheme that started back in 07. I think they were the first team to kind of use modern technology so as to steal opposing signals. And a lot of folks within the Patriots were accused of doing that against the Panthers back in 07 before the 04 Super Bowl as well. But then, so you have that example in, in football, but then also you have the the Houston Astros hmm. sign-stealing scandal in Major League Baseball, and I think a lot of us do put a, an asterisk next to them in the history books in terms of World Series champs. Is what the Michigan Wolverines did here really any different than those two? Or is that is that a fair comparison, or is that unfair? Well... I mean, it all depends on how you consider sign stealing to be, how severe that is, you know, how much that helps a team in football um, have an advantage over another team. I think like in, in baseball, I would say it's a huge advantage as a hitter to know what's coming. Absolutely. Uh, yes, for sure. Now, in football, <laughs> in football, um, okay, you might know that they're going to run a sweep to the left – Right, you might know that's coming. Still got to stop it. I mean, I guess there's some advantage to kind of know where the play's going to go. I'm not going to say it's not an advantage. I guess it's some advantage defensively to know where a play's going to go. Um, but I mean, historically in the professional ranks, except for the uh, Black Sox scandal, right? Did the Black Sox scandal? Did that? Did they have to give up the World Series title? Did they? Was that was that well, they were banned from baseball? Yeah, but I mean, did they? That's a good question. Did they I'm, end I'm up having sure that championship that. Yep. stripped from them, or were they just banned from baseball and fined and all that kind of stuff? You know, the the colleges have a history of uh, rescinding the championship and uh, cleaning the record book and taking out your wins and all that kind of stuff. The Black Sox lost that, by the way. Remember that they, they, what they did was they purposely lost that World Series oh, to, yeah, the, yeah, to the Reds, yeah, right. so, they, so they did not win. The, right. Now. Now, the Reds, I would certainly think, didn't have to give that away, but right. the Black Sox purposely lost that. Right, right. So they don't have nothing to give away. Right. They got nothing to give up. All right, uh, phone number 888-898-2525. Let's go to Hank from Columbia, but uh, he's on the road somewhere, I guess. Hank, welcome in. Did you go to the ba- – are you at the basketball game tonight in Alabama? Uh, no, no, no. Oh. I'm going to watch it on TV. I know. Yeah. Oh. Hope they get a win, or if they don't get a win, hope they acquit themselves and play real well. Yeah, there'd be no shame if they play them down to the wire and it's a close loss. Yep, I'm but, sure um, they'd like to go in there and get the upset. I think they're oh, eleven yeah. point underdogs. Oh yeah, but you know, even with the, the way the networks, if they if they play them down to the wire, it will still help them because it's on the road and it, at a team that's right high in the net. Mm-hmm. So, um, but um, I was calling the the, 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 the conversation you're know, talking about the rankings. I would have Georgia four for this reason. Um, it's not the tournament. The tournament is what, what was settled on the field for number one and number two, right? And if you go back, if this was four weeks ago and Alabama has a three-point loss in a neutral fight and, and, you're, and you're voting at that point, if, that, if Alabama has two losses and Georgia has a – I mean, Georgia has a three-point loss – only has one loss. They're in the voter that wouldn't put Georgia in front of Alabama. Correct. 
Uh, you're breaking up on us. Uh, give us that last part. I'm again. saying correct. I said I'm saying if it was three weeks, three or four weeks ago, and yes, the, the champion is determined on the field um, in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But if you're just doing a regular voting, your voting poll is a voting poll. If you're having Georgia that have only has a three point loss at a neutral site, and you have Alabama with two losses, no matter where they are, there's not a poster that was going to put Alabama in front of Georgia because one had more losses. Correct. Mm-hmm. And they played the same amount of games. No, they didn't because Alabama like, would have the extra game. That's where that extra loss. No, was. Alabama didn't play in Alabama didn't play in the championship games. So them and Georgia played the same same amount of games. Yeah, they, yeah, both, they both played, played 14, fourteen games. Yeah. So I think that's where you would go in because the 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 little conference title thing ex Georgia out of the um, tournament. But I don't think there's a soul in this country that would say if you put Georgia on that field. That Georgia wouldn't have, wouldn't have had a chance to win or win the game. I agree with that. I think. I mean, I think Georgia was every bit as good as those four teams. Yeah, and I could have lived so with Georgia where, being in there. So when you yeah. look at it again, and I hear what Chris is saying, and others, you shouldn't punish, or should you punish a team for losing in the playoffs to give them a second loss? If you're an AP voter and you look at that and you weigh them against I kind of agree you know I kind of agree with Chris in that the top four should well, be immune from prosecution well, saying, so to I'm, speak you yeah. t- you make the top four then you should be the top four teams in the final poll in some order behind the national champion that and really the top well, two it should be one two and then the only decision should be who you choose between the two semifinal losers yeah. to be three and four well I think I agree with what Chris says, I think the voters looked at it and said there were probably six teams that could have been in that final four. You can only pick four. And since, and so if George, if Alabama had made it to the championship game, then I would see that you didn't drop them. But when they play the same amount of games and you're looking at two teams that you probably thought I would have put them in there, and you play the same amount of games and they have one loss and another team has two losses, I just, I just see there's no way in the world back – in the middle of the season or whatever, that you're going to have a two-loss team in front you, of a one-loss team, especially with those schedules. But here's what they did, if you look at it. They simply flip-flopped Georgia and Florida State because in the prior poll before the bowls, before they got into the big bowls, that last poll, Florida State was four <laughs> by the AP and Georgia was six. And so now Florida State drops down to six in a tie with Oregon and Georgia moves from what was sixth up to number four, and Alabama stayed the same to the previous ranking. They stayed fifth to the previous ranking. So maybe that's what they looked at, just, hey, Georgia beat Florida State. They should move up to that spot. Alabama lost in the playoff. They shouldn't move. But I I do, and thanks for the call, Hank. I mean, Chris, I got to agree with you. I think if you make the Final Four, you shouldn't be penalized for losing there, you should be one of the top four ranked teams, and then everything should come after you. And I'll concede uh, Hank's point, and, and as you guys pointed out, they both played the same number of games. But let's face it, did Georgia actually participate in a bowl game against a decent team? I mean, they they had a walk in the park against a JV squad. Alabama had to turn around and go in and play the team that ultimately won the national championship. I, mm. To me, if once you make the Final Four, I don't think you should fall out of the Final Four. And when you say that, now that you bring that up, when you consider the fact that Alabama was, what, three yards away 
from winning that mm-hmm. game, right? Yep. Yep. Or forcing. Let's see. Had they had Milrose scored, would they have forced overtime? Refresh me on that. What was that final score? What did they end up losing by? Were they down they a touchdown? Overtime. That was overtime. That yeah, was they in got overtime. Stopped on, yeah, on fourth. Yeah. Right. 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 So. They, I mean, they they had a great chance to win that game. Is the point? Sure. So, you know, but again, the the voters didn't didn't move them. They were five, and they they stayed at five with that loss. So, and guys, while y'all were talking about that, I got curious and did a little research in the background because we keep talking Final Four, Final Four, Final Four. Made me think basketball, and I'm curious if you guys think or have the same thoughts regarding if you make the Final Four in basketball, if you also should be in the top four. And I'm looking back at the final rankings. I only went back the last three years. And two out of those three years, the teams that were in the Final Four did not finish up in the Final Four. Yeah, I remember the year South Carolina made the Final Four and lost in the national semis. They didn't finish in the top four, I don't believe. I think they finished with like a ranking of eight or nine. So should that – wow, eight or nine. Gosh. I think. Let me let me double-check, but I think that's the case. But with that, should that should we also have the same mindset there, or is that different in basketball because it's such a big tournament with 68 teams? That's a good question. All well, right, got to run to the break. Into- Go ahead. I was just going to say the problem you run into in basketball is comparing a team with, say, eight or nine losses who made a nice run, like South Carolina is a great example, made a nice run in the tournament versus a team that may only have one or two losses. It, it's a little – it's apples to oranges, I think, though. Uh, it's, a, it's a valid question, though. If you make the Final Four in any sports, should you finish the regular season, uh, the final polls, rather, in the Final Four? I, I don't know the answer to that. I do think, though, in football, because of the smaller sample size – The four teams that were in the playoffs should have been the top four teams in the final AP poll. Okay, going to hit the break. Phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's the fall in South Carolina. That means it's deer season. What do people need to know about? That's right, Phil. It is deer season. We always want to remind hunters to identify your target. Know the identifying features of the game you're hunting. Make sure that it's a deer before you take that shot. When walking to and from your stand in low light, use a flashlight so that no one will mistake you for a deer. For more information on hunting safety and more information on deer season, listen to our show on Wednesday nights on the Sports Talk Media Network. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. 
That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, 888-898-2525. Back to your phone calls we go. And Ken in Columbia up with us next. Welcome in, sir. How are you? Doing awesome, gentlemen. I tell you, you know, the Big Ten won the first playoff and then won the last one because remember Ohio State defeated Marcus Mariota in Oregon. And then this year it was another Pac-12 and Big Ten, I still call them Big Ten, and Michigan and Washington playing it. And I think when people talk about the SEC, but I think it's more of a Southern bias because I think they definitely wanted some different teams. Before it was either Alabama, Clemson, LSU, or Georgia. And uh, I think they definitely wanted that uh, uh, this year to get more eyeballs on it because people are getting a little tired, not necessarily the SEC, but of just the Southern teams being in there. And also, I give a lot of credit to Nick Saban because now they're saying that Harbaugh has surpassed Nick Saban and that the Big Ten has surpassed the SEC. But think about it. Alabama lost their starting quarterback to the NFL. The Heisman Trophy went into the NFL, and their starting quarterback, Bryce Young. This was Michigan's third crack. This is their third year. They got blown out by Georgia. They lost to unexplainable loss to TCU last year. So they basically brought their whole team back again and their starting quarterback. And Alabama was the only team in the 14 playoff that was starting a first-year quarterback. So to get as far as they did, I think Nick Saban did an awesome job with coaching. And, again, I think the two best teams still, I think, is Georgia and Alabama. So you'd put Alabama in, in the final four? Would you have ranked Alabama in the final four? Um, I would say no because of the two losses. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean – you know, half a dozen in one hand, six in the other. I, uh, you know, I think Georgia could have won it. This is easily if they've gotten in it. I think uh, Florida State, even they were full strength, I, I don't think that they were. But then again, who knows once you got into the playoffs. But I just was not impressed with Michigan. They say how dominant they were, and they, they play like an SEC team, but they still didn't have the speed and athleticism to me that the Southern teams have and the LSUs, the Bama, and Clemsons of the world. They just didn't seem to have it. And, and the Pac-12, God bless them, they just, they just seemed to be a weaker, just not nearly as physical as even the Big Ten teams. Mm-hmm. 
All right, sir. Thank you very much. Good hearing from you. We found a poll. No, the AP apparently does not put out a final basketball poll That's after crazy. the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is odd. But the, the coaches do, and Pat dug up the the coaches poll after the Gamecocks Final Four in March of 2017, April 2017. The coaches, and you would think the coaches would be sensitive to this, but they put the Gamecocks at number six. North Carolina, who won the national championship, ended up number one. Gonzaga, who lost, number two. Gonzaga beat the Gamecocks. Uh, Oregon was third, which lost to North Carolina in the semifinals. Then they went Kansas and Kentucky, and then the Gamecocks. <laughs> Surprising there, Kansas and Kentucky. How much well, different? But the Gamecocks did have eleven losses on the season. That, exactly, exactly. And they moved up twenty spots from the previous rankings. Yeah, that jumped out to me, Phil. I love seeing <laughs> that the plus twenty, <laughs> plus twenty in the ranking. So, um, how much different do you believe that Final Four would have turned out if Cinderius Thornwell had not gotten sick? Out in Phoenix. Well, Gosh. yeah, obviously that would have been something. I think if Rakeem Felder doesn't. Uh, take a 35-foot shot when the Gamecocks had everything going their way and had a break going, and for some reason, and he'd been a big, important piece to their puzzle, but he just took that long shot. Remember that? And they missed. I think Gonzaga rebounded, went down and scored, just kind of changed momentum right then and there, Mm -hmm. just sort of threw up a stoplight on the Gamecocks' momentum at that point because they kind of had everything rolling their way. And um, I thought that was a big point but yeah thornwell not being healthy that has to be I key as well huge yeah yeah all right yeah we're coming up on the top of the hour and we'll try to get more calls uh coming in hour number two we've got recruiting to get to uh zach willis for a quick recap on the national championship game bobby bentley now uh, coming up after the top of the hour break haven't talked to coach bentley in a long long time but now he's back coaching high school football. We'll get his thoughts on his new gig and what it was like making the rounds through the colleges all those years. That's coming up after the top of the hour break here on Sports Talk. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network here on a very busy Tuesday night. Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. More of your phone calls coming up, 888-898-2525. South Carolina off to a 10-6 lead at Alabama in the early minutes there in Tuscaloosa. Alabama's 2-for-2 from the floor. The Gamecocks are 4-of-8 from the floor to this point, but they've hit a couple of threes as has uh, Alabama. Alabama's turned it over four times, and the Gamecocks have eight points off those turnovers. So that is certainly helpful. South Carolina up early on Alabama, uh, now 13-6 at the 16:01 mark. They'll be hitting the first media timeout here coming up shortly. All right, been talking a lot of football, and at the bottom of the hour, Zach Willis will be along to talk more about what he saw in watching Michigan and uh, Washington finish it up last night. Let's welcome into the program 
no stranger to sports talk, no stranger to the people of the state of South Carolina who follow football. He's back as a head coach once again. We welcome Bobby Bentley back into sports talk. And coach, good evening. It's great to have you with us. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing great, Phil. Good to hear from you. It is. It is great to have you back with us. It's been a little while, and I'm glad to see that you have uh, surfaced at a high school there in uh, Tennessee, Battleground Academy. Congrats on that, and uh, give us the details on how you got there. Well, it's uh, connected to our our hometown state of South Carolina. Um, Years ago, you know, we built that program at Burns on a very good youth program. Well, the roots of it go back to a, a man by the name of Rick Meyer. Uh, we took our board of directors of our Youth Recreation League down to North Augusta, South Carolina, uh, 2001, 2002. Well, actually, 98, 99, that, those times. And then we got it all built for that 2000 run. And uh, Rick Meyer was the director of recreation down at North Augusta, and we patterned it after him. Long story short, Rick Meyer's been a, a good friend of mine for years. His son, Trey Meyer, who uh, actually coached in uh, in the state here, he's from North Augusta High School. He coached at PC, took college to Charleston. He was the ba- he's the basketball coach at Battleground Academy, mm-hmm. and he, um, Rick, texted me and said, "Hey, my son is on a search committee for a football coach at his school." Battleground Academy in Franklin, Tennessee, 15 minutes south of Nashville. And I see, he said, we'd be interested. And I said, um, sure. And I just thought it'd be something to base, basically as a compliment to Rick. I didn't want to, I, I wanted to do what he asked me. So I, I was going to just talk to him about the job. Well, as I began to talk to him about the job field, it just became more and more, uh, that I needed to take this job. <laughs> and, uh, that's kind of the way it happened, and I appreciate Trey reaching out to his dad, and, and that's how it all happened. Besides the connections, what did you see there that was attractive to you from a football standpoint? Well, it, it kind of starts, you know, I recruited uh, Tennessee for Coach Muschamp when I was at South Carolina. And, uh, you know, we brought a few kids in from, from Tennessee, and I recruited Nashville and Memphis mainly. Uh, I got into Chattanooga some. But mainly, I recruited Nashville and uh, the Memphis area, and I just got you know connected with to a lot of those schools, and and I really like the area. Um, there's a lot of, of resources in that area, so it attracted me first of all because those schools are, are very very um, resourced well, uh, great facilities. You know, in our state, it seems like the public schools dominate athletics. Uh, and I say our state, South Carolina, but in Tennessee, the dominant programs are, are in the independent schools. Um, great facilities, um, great tradition. Uh, there's more resources. Uh, the academics are, are kind of higher. Uh, so it just always made sense that those schools are a little better. And um, it just intrigued me. And, you know, this the administration there, our head of school, Will Kessler, and our athletic director, Fred Eves, and they've made a commitment to the football program and sports in general, and it just was a good match for me. Visiting with Bobby Bentley. So for the school that you're going to, that type of school, independent school, 
like I guess maybe the Baylor school in Chattanooga where Eric Kimry coaches, all you guys are like independent slash charter. Are you able – where do you get your players from? Where do your students come from? Are you limited in some way? You know, ours is a little different than, than Eric's. And uh, I talked to Eric this week. We're going to actually do some seven-on-seven seven together, and we set up a scrimmage game already. So, um, hmm. you know, he, his is a little different. He's a lot much larger school. He's in a different classification. And he's a boarding school. You know, we're not a boarding school. Now, I will say Battleground was a boarding school. Uh, it, it's been around for 134 years still. Uh, has a great tradition. But it's, it's, it's now, you know, it's not a boarding school today. It's just, you know, on campus, um, grade 5 through 12. So our kids have to come, you know, from the attendance zone. But, you know, if you, if you go to school before the grade uh, 9, you're basically eligible. That's the way it works. Yeah. Similar to here in South Carolina in a lot of cases. Yes. What about for you career-wise and coaching-wise, why the decision you were at South Florida with Jeff Scott and then you were at Central Florida as an analyst with Gus Malzahn, you've been at South Carolina, you've been at Clemson, you've been at Auburn, you're at Presbyterian. Um, why now the decision to go back to the high school ranks? Do you do you see yourself finishing out your career at the high school level? Well, that's a good question, Phil. You, you know my family, so you would know the answer uh, in the fact of uh, Brooks, my last son, my youngest son, is a freshman at Wingate University. And you know, this past year, my deal with Coach Malzahn was, uh, before I accepted the job for him to work during the week, I told him that I would, you know, I would go see Brooks play on, on game day on Saturday to see the starting. If he was starting, hey, Coach, I'm going I'm to go to the, see Brooks play. Mm-hmm. And he understood. He, he said, Coach, no problem. So this fits. I uh, was sitting around the house when, when Trey Meyer actually called me about uh, Battleground. She said, my daughter Emily, Brooks's twin sister, said, Dad, why don't you just go into high school? And I kind of think about it because in high school, you know, I can still coach, get my coaching fix, um, you know, lead a program, and still go see Brooks play. I just didn't want to miss him play, uh, Phil, honestly. That's really one of the biggest reasons, uh, you know, this job is so appealing because I can go see him play. Uh, get my coaching fix, coach in a great place, live in a great area, one of the top ten places in the in the country to live, and uh, have a good time. Update us on all your boys. Uh, where is everybody? I know that uh, Jake is is coaching, I think, is it North Alabama? Yes. Um, let's, we'll, we'll go with uh, Jake at North Alabama. He's the quarterback coach there. Uh, had a good year. His first year, you know, on the job. Uh, Shuler is at Charleston Southern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shuler is down at Charleston Southern as quarterback coach for Gabe Gardenia and, and doing a great job, really doing a good job recruiting, brought in a bunch of upstate kids down to Charleston Southern, really doing a well, a, a good, very good job, proud of him. And then Chase is um, at Rutgers. He's uh, assistant speed and strength pro, uh, coach up there in the, in the performance division of their program. And uh, he and his wife Morgan are doing well. And I'm expecting – that first grandchild oh, in, in July. So, uh, times have, flied, uh, have kind of flown by. Congrats on that. That will change everything for you. You, th- you think you're going to be gone on, on Saturdays. You'll be gone on Sundays to see that grandbaby, too. Well, you know what, Bill? It's amazing. When this job came around, um, the first thing my wife did, she looked at flights from Nashville to Newark 
and uh, found some cheap flights. So I'll probably be by myself a little bit when she, that baby comes around. <laughs> probably flying southwest out of Nashville. <laughs> I know it well. Uh, talking you found to, it pretty quick. Yeah. Talking to Bobby Bentley here on Sports Talk. So what about your experiences at South Florida? And um, I guess I guess UCF was more just a, as an analytical role, but the experience at South Florida with Jeff Scott there, what do you – that was tough, no question about it. What do you take away from your time there in Tampa? Uh, first of all, we had a heck of a staff, man. We, that was one of the best staffs I've ever been a part of. Uh, Jeff did a great job on, on offense, especially. We had a great staff. Enjoyed working with Charlie Weiss. You know, he's an old Miss now, calling plays. Second year, we had Travis Trickett, uh, Xavier Dye. You know, both of them down at Coastal Carolina now. So. It's amazing a lot of these ties are down to still to South Carolina. And obviously with Jeff, one of my best friends in coaching. And, you know, just, just had a great time, man. And uh, the only thing is we just couldn't stop anybody, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. I can say that now. I'm not, I'm not in that world. So yeah. we just couldn't stop anybody. We had a good offense. We, we, we had some good things. We had a great culture. We just had trouble stopping people and didn't win enough games. And I'd say – for my life lessons is work on the scheduling. You know, we, <laughs> we scheduled BYU and NC State and Florida there. You know, we had Florida beat, and I think if we win that game, Jeff's probably still coaching there, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, you change the schedule a little bit, and you see their win totals come up. You know, it's not rocket science. Yeah. Schedule games that are manageable that you can possibly win with the team that you have. Hey, basketball coaches do it all the time. They, they schedule okay. based on the kind of team they think they're going to have that particular year. Exactly. I think if the schedule was a little better, not to say that was the entire reason. I, I'm not saying that, but I think if the schedule was a little better, especially as Jeff was getting started, it would have been a little a little bit better uh, because you take UCF and Houston and Cincinnati off of that schedule out of the you know and they go to the Big Twelve. It all it all of a sudden makes it different already. But uh, we had a lot of fun at USF. It's a great place. Tampa was a tremendous place to live too. It, it's uh, I just hate it didn't work out for Jeff. How much are you in touch with uh, Marcus Lattimore? Talked to him over Christmas. Uh, doing great. Uh, Marcus is is uh, really doing well. You think he might want to join you? <laughs> he, he probably will. He would love this. Uh, he would love uh, Nashville. Um, he, he, we were at the Chris Stapleton concert. Uh, probably <laughs> one of the last few times we got to spend a lot of time together. He loves music, as you know. He loves poetry. And, and uh, he'd probably like Luke Bryan's son's on my team, so he's he's one of my players, and uh, <laughs> he needs to come up and wow. hang out with us. Luke uh, Bryan's so son is on your team. Yeah, I feel. Got a text from him last night. I was fired up, man. Got a text from Luke Bryan. I said, "Heck yeah, that's that's why you take these jobs." <laughs> that's great. Uh, what kind of football are you going to play? What do you want to try to do offensively? You know, I've got to get in there and learn the guys. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit over the years. Now, in 2018, they played in state championship. They got six state championships, played in 10. So they've got mm-hmm. some history there. I mean, this, this program's got some history, but that's kind of fallen on hard times recently. So honestly, due to the lack of uh, workouts and la- lack of training, just got to get in there and work these guys out, get some get some meat on them, get some get some strength in their in their bones and muscles and see if we can push some people around right now they can't do that so we got to figure out how we're going you know run and, and throw the ball and get our seven on seven packages together and 
uh, once we figure out who we got, and, and we'll try to modify the system to what what we can do. But right now, I, I've honestly know that we're going to try to be an attacking style of defense. And on offense, we're going to throw the ball. You know that. That's what we do. Um, but we need to figure out our personnel and kind of, you know, get a feel for exactly the lay of the schedule and everything. Will you have any assistance that we might know? Uh, yeah. Um, yes, yes. I think you'll know. Uh, you'll know several of them, and uh, we'll get that announced here probably within the next two months. Okay. And will you? You know, it burns. One thing that really made you guys successful was your feeder program, your lower schools, because as I recall, everybody ran what you guys ran in high school so that by the time they got to you, they were well-versed on how to play Burns football. Will you be able to do that where you're at now? Yeah, and it's already built in the system um, field. I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to get the job. You know, we took our youth program from 150 players to 400 by the time we left out of there. Um We've got a fourth and fifth grade, uh, excuse me, a fifth and sixth grade team on campus. So, in other words, you know, our school is uh, grade five through 12. So, mm-hmm. we got a fifth and sixth grade team on campus with our on campus staff. We have a um, middle school team of seventh and eighth grade. And then we have uh, a JV team. So, our, our youth league team, you know, our fifth and sixth grade team feeds our middle school, and then the middle school feed the, the ninth grade team uh, up to the varsity. So, it's it's a setup. It's set up perfectly, you know, the way this thing's set up uh, up there, and uh, I think it fits the way my brain works as far as how you know to get the curriculum for the program from grade four up. That fits you perfectly. Last thing: Do you only play in the state of Tennessee? Do you venture out? If you venture out, would you want to play anybody from South Carolina? Oh, yeah, I've already talked to Jimbo down at uh, Crest. You know, he was with me at, at Burns Salon. Talked to O'Brien Lane at Westside. I told him, we'll come down here and get him. We just got to give me a year or two to get ready. I need I need some time to get ready before I take on Coach Lane. <laughs> uh, he probably had me right now, but give me a year or so. And we'll see what we can do. So you don't want to jump on those guys just right yet? Yeah, I got to see. We, we're probably a JV team to them right now, but just give me a year or so. We'll we'll. We'll take on Jimbo and right now we call old Tommy Knott, see what he's got. Okay. Well, be careful what you wish for there, you know. <laughs> be careful. Well, listen, it's great to uh, have you back in high school football. It's great to hear you back on the airwaves here in South Carolina. Thank you for taking time out to be with us. Uh, we'll be watching closely to see what you do, and uh, we'll talk to you again. But thank you so much for joining us. As always, Bill, great talking to you. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right, Bobby Bentley who uh, I've always thought of as being just one of the great football minds in our state. I think his track record speaks for itself. I always thought when he was at South Carolina with Will Muschamp and you had Jake Bentley, just make make Bobby Bentley your offensive coordinator. Yeah, that would have been smart. I mean, just make him your offensive coordinator. Absolutely he does. And he knows Mm -hmm. quarterback coaching. Um, Obviously, uh, Muschamp didn't listen to us no had he he might still be coaching at south carolina very possible very possible um but you can hear i I love the end there where he said give me a year give me a year or two before i take on those guys but you can hear the competitive juice or you can kind of maybe sense the competitive juices still flow uh very strongly within bobby bentley 
Well, the way he was describing independent league football in the state of Tennessee, he might be he might need to worry more about getting his team ready to play in the state before he starts traveling out of South Carolina. Sounds like uh, private school football in Tennessee is awfully, awfully good. Yeah, sound it certainly does. I don't know what their rules are. I think they, I think they have more classes than we have in South Carolina. They might go to That's like what I was even six A or seven A, maybe. Yeah, we kind of moved on. I was going to ask him, Are they do they play with the public schools or do they have enough that they don't and those teams play in the private school? Because, you know, of course, that's the, the big, big controversy here in our state. I wonder if Tennessee deals with the same thing. Yeah, that's a good question. All right, up in uh, Alabama, South Carolina and Alabama. It's a tight one now, 17-16, 8-11 to go in the half. Gamecocks at 39%, Bama 38%. Gamecocks 3 of 9 from 3, Bama 4 of 10. USC has not taken a free throw. The Gamecocks have now surpassed Alabama with 7 turnovers to 6. But the Gamecocks have 10 points off those turnovers, and Alabama has not scored off a Gamecock turnover. And the Gamecocks are winning on the boards 12 to 7. And you've got uh, Tylan Cooper leading the Gamecocks with 8 points thus far. Michi Johnson has 4. Mack has 3. And Sears is leading Alabama with eight. All right, uh, we're going to stay on the phones here. We've got recruiting coming up, a little visit with Zach coming up. Let's go to uh, Andy in Columbia next up on the program. Andy, welcome in. How are you? I got a surprise for you. I got a surprise for you. You do? Got a surprise. A surprise. You know, uh, first off, shout out to number 25 on his birthday. Oh, nice shout out by the pup. I was going to say, Rick Sanford's birthday, and he's going to be with us tomorrow night. In studio or are you, just calling you? Are you overwhelmed with emotion? I'm just I'm about ready to scream. <laughs> is he going to be in studio? No, he'll be on the participating, phone. or is he just calling in? He'll be on the phone. He'll be on the phone. He doesn't do personal appearances anymore. Okay. Now, this is the other question. Did you um, go out to lunch with him and forget your wallet again on his birthday? We did not go out to lunch today. We've gone out to lunch a couple of times, and we will go out to lunch again in the near future. Okay. Okay. My analysis regarding this AP poll, this is what I don't understand. Texas is number three for only one reason. They beat Alabama. Correct? Because they have two losses. Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. So why is Georgia ahead of Alabama when Alabama beat Georgia. And Texas beat Alabama. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's like the committee. And, and it's all opinion. It's all you look at it, and it's just, I think this, I think that. It's just all opinion. And I don't Alabama, want to tell you. Alabama played Michigan a lot tougher, and you all said this earlier, than Washington played. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, they showed better in the um, semifinals than Texas did. If you look at the body of work and who they played against and who they lost to, how they did in the finals. So, maybe it should have really have been Georgia, Alabama, and then Texas, 3-4-5. and five. Why wasn't Washington punished more for a shall we say, I don't know, would you call it a competitive loss? Would you yeah, call it a... Have they ever take, w- but have they taken the 
team that has um, been the runner-up or lost the championship game and ever put a pass number two in this um, four-team format? I'd have to go back and look. You're prob- I don't yeah, know. I don't think so. Yeah, I'd be surprised if yeah. they had. I'll go yeah, back and I, look. I, I think that that's what the that's what the deal is there. Yeah, I I understand that. I you know, but I mean, if we're if we're judging by you know cosmetics here, how do things look to me? You know, because that's what subjective polling is. How does it look to me? I mean, you watched Washington. You watched Alabama play Michigan. You watched Washington play Michigan. You would think Alabama would be right behind Michigan, but then you you're bothered by the fact that that Texas beat Alabama, uh, and but then you're also bothered by the fact that those have two losses. Georgia only has that one loss, and Georgia beat Alabama. So I mean, it, well, it, here's the answer. There, there's a du- there's there's a, there's there's so many Georgia. different rationales you can apply to to make your own decision about who you like in the top six. No, but Alabama beat Georgia. Georgia didn't yeah. beat Alabama. Right. So, you know, so in my opinion. But Texas beat Alabama. But, of course, this is how it always rolls. The people who are voting for this AP poll are hypocrites hmm. and, you know, like to steer things their own way. And I think it made them feel really good that they could push um, Alabama down because, as we all know, the majority of the country can't stand the SEC. And the more that they can punish the SEC, they'll take any chance they can to do it. Just my opinion. Okay. Thank you. What they say about opinions. Yep. You fellas have a great night. When's Dr. Ripley tomorrow? 6.30 tomorrow. Okay. I'll make sure I'm listening at 6.30. Thank and you. again, happy birthday to the doctor. And y'all have a great evening. And... If you will, there, send out a wolf to Finn for my puppy, Bailey. You got it. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Will do. And, Phil, here's an answer to your question. If yeah. they didn't penalize TCU for getting hammered last year by Georgia, they never penalized anybody. TCU finished the final poll last year, number two. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of yeah. – you're right. I'm scan- kind of scanning yeah. through them. It looks like the loser finished second every time. If, if anybody deserved to be dropped out of the number two spot after the national championship game, it would have been them. Yeah. Yeah, but, but if you're not going to penalize them, you're certainly not going to penalize Washington. But you know, you go back. To, I'm looking at 2021. All right, Georgia wins the national championship, and they beat Alabama right in the national mm-hmm. championship game. And then Michigan finished third, and Cincinnati finished fourth. Um, but Cincinnati was not in. Was who was who? Who was the fourth team in the playoff in 21? Was it was it Ohio State? It was Georgia, Alabama, Michigan. Did Cincinnati make was that the did they make the four? Yes. Okay, so they finished they finished in the top four. That particular so again. year. <laughs> so why wasn't Alabama in the top four? Yeah. Well, Cincinnati had one loss. Right. I still find right. it hard to accept Cincinnati. And that was their one year. I mean, they've sort of mm-hmm. faded, right, yep. since then? Probably never to be heard from again. Hit the break. Until next year. And Zach Willis coming up and recruiting.
All right, Coach Zach Willis coming up in just a moment. The under four media timeout. Gamecocks are up 27-25 on Alabama. They've hit their last four shots, and Michi Johnson has eight. V.J. Mack has seven. Cooper has eight for the Gamecocks, who are shooting 48%. Sears has 15 of Alabama's 25 points. Gamecocks have turned it over eight times, but it hasn't hurt them except for, well, it really hasn't hurt them at all because they've got as many shots off as Bama does. They've only given up two points off those turnovers, so they haven't really been burned. They're because, glass. Yeah, they're up 15-8 to eight on the boards. Yeah, that's a big difference. they've outscored Bama 14-6 to six in the paint thus far. So a lot of good numbers there for the Gamecocks. Let me give you some other basketball real quick. Games that tipped off at 7 o'clock besides the one in Tuscaloosa. Kentucky leading Missouri 35-28. Florida State leads Wake Forest 27-17. And that's it. Those are the other ones underway. Okay. Thought it'd be nice to have Zach Willis wrap up the season with his thoughts on what he saw last night. Michigan, Washington. They just could have played in the Rose Bowl and settled this thing in one you know, quick game on New Year's Day, like in the old days. Coach, welcome in. One final time. It's great to have you with us. We just had Bobby Bentley on with us a few minutes ago. I heard he's coming back to high school. Hot, uh, big, big, Battleground big, Academy big, in Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. What's yeah. he doing up there? <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you they'll win. I'll say that. I wouldn't ever bet against Bobby. He I, said Luke Bryan's on it. Luke Bryan's son is on his team. Well, that's probably how you're getting paid, I'd say. Uh, they look, uh, they're, they're, they're lucky to have him, though. That guy's a heck of a coach. He sent me a lot of great football players when he was at Burns and uh, did a heck of a job grooming his own kids, and they were all great college quarterbacks. And probably wish we'd have held on to one of them a little bit longer at Carolina, I'd say. Yeah. Great uh, family right there. You never – now, let me just think. I don't – in my head, I don't have the years – when he was the head coach at PC, you were at Newberry. Y'all didn't cross paths there. They wouldn't let us play anymore. We beat them too yep. much. That was after they <laughs> had ceased the, the the game, huh? They they had yeah, moved they, on they, to FCS. It wasn't Bobby's. It was it was not Bobby's call or mine. Um, they were trying to uh, move up to uh, Division One, and actually, he and I are good friends, and we talked quite a bit. We both, you know, Bobby played quarterback at PC, and. Um, uh, you know, I talked to him, Mark Baker, John McKissick, all David Bennett, all PC alums, but there was just nothing we could really do. It, it was above our pay grade uh, that that rivalry came to end. It was one of the oldest small college rivalries in the country. Yeah. And I did not beat them too much. We were lucky to beat them once, to be honest. Uh, they were always really well coached by Tommy Spangler. When Tommy left, Bobby took over, and from what I remember, did a really good job over there. Yep. He was there for two years before he uh... – Went to Clemson, I think, from there. I think that's when he joined Tommy Bowden's staff at Clemson after two years at PC. All right, what did you think of last night, uh, Michigan, the way they handled their business, their game plan, the way they executed it? What did you take away from that? I, you know, I felt like early on Michigan really came out in formation. Washington uh, came out with a formation Washington couldn't seem to get lined up to ran the ball all over them and uh, looked like they were going to run away with it. And then they just kind of got away from that formation and tried a few other things. And Washington, you know, being the team they were, got their way back into it. And it was like a different football game. And really, 
at the end, from there on out, it was really all about Michael Penix, and you know the, the receivers were open. He had kids more wide open with less pressure on him than he did against Texas, but it just wasn't his night. Phil, he missed a few throws that were wide open that were probably sure touchdowns. And then at the end of the game, had a costly interception that led to a touchdown by Michigan. They capitalized on it as a championship team will do. And uh, Michigan is a more complete team, I believe. But I'll, I do believe we could have had, if Penix could have been able to connect on those throws, and he's got some fantastic receivers there. Um, I don't think Michigan's DBs had an answer for that, uh, if, if he was accurate, mm-hmm. looking at what I saw. But he wasn't, and Michigan won the game, and they deserved it. They executed in the big game uh, better than the opponent did, and, and they're the better team for that because that was a big moment, and they survived it. Yeah, what do you think of the holding call on that right tackle who had a tough go of it there in the second half? Really uh, that holding of, call on that completed pass that would have put Washington deep in Michigan territory with a chance to score and maybe turn things around. Well, I I, I didn't like it. It wasn't a hold. And, you know, I was sitting downstairs and they were talking about how it was an obvious hold. And if it had been an obvious hold, you could look at the shoulders of the of the defensive end. They never turned. Defense, if that guy's got you basically by a front horse collar, because that's where he would have held him at, he would have twisted him. They talk about turning – a wide receivers with that backside arm when the DB's covering a wide receiver, that's how you know it's pass interference is they turn them. That kid would have turned and the kid just fell on his face. He didn't turn at all. So the kid had met, if he had ever had a hold of him once he escaped, uh, you know, being within the framework of the body, he disengaged. That shouldn't have been a holding call. And, uh, it's a, it a tough call, very tough call that I didn't agree with. Um, but again, you know, that, and that was the one pass they completed. Yeah. So it just, it was not their night. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm Michigan fans, I'm nervous because, uh, you know, I think Harbaugh, and we'll know if there's guilt there because he'll take an NFL job. And if he does, the NCAA is going to really bear down on them because mm-hmm. that's going to be proof to them, just like they did with Pete Carroll at Southern Cal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Reggie Bush has got his Heisman back yet, has he? So, mm. um, you know, uh, he was a kid. And uh, all those kids got robbed of a lot of things at Southern Cal, and a lot of us in the business knew stuff was going on, not to the magnitude the NCAA uncovered. Um, I don't know if Michigan, they really can't take the North Carolina route and lawyer up and try to just hold out for a decade and make the NCAA give up. Um, (laughs) You know, I think this is going to be – you know, you you have me on here to tell the truth. $19 million in lawyer's fees can't buy back your reputation with me. Um, you know, you, you can you hide behind that if you want to, but it's still shameful. And I, I think any time uh, you use, a, you know, I had a guy tell me the other day with J.J. McCarthy said, there's no sign stealing. I said, you don't understand. They're playing a trick on you. The sign stealing's for the defense. You know, they, they that's where the signs are stolen. They're not stolen by the offense for the defense. It's the other way around. Yeah. And, you know, the New England Patriots made a living out of that. They had NDAs, non-disclosures, in the complete library, and they never had to give the Super Bowl trophies back, which I've got a problem with that, too. Um, uh, and, and it, you know, we whitewash over things after a while, and time heals all wounds. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Michigan. I thought they had a great team, but, um, when you know what's coming at you for three straight years and you've got the entire Big Ten set against you, which is very rare, to be honest with you. Coaches 
having a conference with the commissioner and him coming out and suspending the coach for the rest of that season. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, but congratulations to him for now. Yeah, for now. That's what everybody's going to wonder about. Let me ask you real quick, from a coaching standpoint, we talked about this earlier. It's like with the Astros winning the World Series and they were found to be cheating. They didn't strip them of anything. They still have the World Series trophy, but we talked about the advantage of a hitter knowing what's coming in terms of a pitch. What about, you talk about it on a defensive side, the advantage that a defense would have having some idea of what play is coming. You still have to go and fight off the block and make a play on the quarterback or the running back or the receiver. Uh, is it the same thing, like a hitter knowing what pitch is coming? Oh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you, but here's the thing, you know, if you know where the ball's going, it's not just one guy that's going to get the tackling now, but you're going to defeat blocks all over the field. and Offensive lines, you know, you know where they're going before they get there. If it's a pass, you figure out what the quarterback's primary read is. These things, you know, maybe game one that you steal the signs from, say, say they stole them from um, Ohio State. And in the first year, they still lose to Ohio State, but they get real close. Uh-huh. I think that's kind of what happened. But by that next year, they had them all dialed in because they began to build a library of all the next season with that guy going to games. And he probably had more than one person. They just hadn't found out who they are working to help them out. That's usually how that stuff works. But once you get a base, you would get one game to base those signals off of, you can begin to piece together what the other team's doing. Because most teams have a, a signal and logic to what they're doing. Like, you know, they may go down the right side of their body with a number that says some two, four, six, eight, your knees two, your hips four, your chest is six, and your head's eight. And then the other side is, is all right. So you got a numbering system you can do. There's all sorts of things. And if you're using pictures, you can really start to you match those up and see what the combinations are and figure them out. And it doesn't take long when you spend a long time. And if you've got one guy dedicated to doing nothing but stealing signs from teams and gathering uh, libraries on them, so we haven't heard about what the NCAA, what all they have found, um, what the Big Ten found. But it's obvious C.J. Stroud made a comment before a game. You know, we were aware that they've been doing this all along. And then, you know, kind of clammed up, so I need to focus. Which he didn't clam up. He wanted to focus on his NFL game, and, of course, led the Texans to the playoffs this year. Um, but, I mean, you can watch. You can probably go back and watch games now and say, well, how did they make that play in that town? And I've had a couple of games where people stole our signs, and we what we started doing was running plays in from the sideline, and the game got out of hand real fast in our favor. Uh-huh. Um, happened once to me in my career, and I realized it on a certain play. Our offensive coordinator was worried about it. And not going to name any names because they didn't even win the game. It was over by halftime. But the, the the big thing is is that you know at that level, any level, you know our society's changed. Bill, you know, what about the Chicago White Sox in the nineteen twenties? We were just talking about the them. Yeah, yeah. Except I mean, they, you know, as I it mean, was pointed out to me because I had it reversed, they didn't win. The World Series, they, they just it. threw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then Shoeless Joe Jackson, a lot of people he couldn't read. He hit three fifty or three sixty. Um, a lot of people don't think he threw it, but you know the bottom line is he was guilty by association when that was still a thing, uh-huh. and never played again. And of course, he's a South Carolina boy. I always was kind of fascinated. I've heard a lot of stories about him, and uh, you know the great writer Grantland Rice was uh, in Greenville, South Carolina 
on business and went in a went in a liquor store and Joe Jackson was running that liquor store and uh Grantland recognized him and said, Joe, you weren't gonna speak and Joe she was just said, Well, I didn't think you'd want to speak to me anymore, Mr. Rice. Whoa. He just kinda, you know, ruined his ruined his basically I won't say ruined his life, I hope it didn't, but it was definitely a setback and Nowadays, guys are in Michigan is going to reward this guy with a contract if he stays, which, again, if he stays, I think it looks better. But you can't never tell me that cat didn't know what's going on. And um, I think people need to stand up for the truth and stand up for what's right. I mean, my gosh, if we can't even play our sports fairly, what what we got left to, to enjoy. I agree. Coach, we thank you so much. Enjoy the off season. Look forward to having you with us next August. August? The 24th is the start of the 2024 season. Put that down on your wait. calendar. I will definitely put it down on my calendar. It's next to my kid's birthday and my anniversary, in case my wife's listening. Hmm. That's one of my favorite days of the year. You got <laughs> so, that right. All right, so thank you. Care. Great hearing from right, you. Thanks, Coach. We'll be in touch. All right, Zach Willis, that would be uh, fourth and last for Jack uh, this football season. All right, got to run to the break and come back with the uh, recruiting update, and then we'll wrap things up with some final thoughts. Maybe a phone call or two, 888-898-2525. They've hit the break. 30-29, what do you see, Chris? Well, first off, the Gamecocks uh, out-rebounding Alabama, so that's a positive sign for them. They've got to cut down on the turnovers, so eight in the first half, way too many. But first time all season they've trailed at the break. See how they come out in the second half. Mm-hmm. 30, 29. But you know what? You're on the road playing a good SEC team. You're probably happy being right there at halftime. No doubt. We'll be back in just a moment. The lottery is not about getting rich. It's about helping people. And it always has been. The lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome, and today in South Carolina, it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the SC Hope, Life, and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. Visit sceducationlottery.com slash better you to learn more. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, 
healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives. And as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, time for recruiting here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Seawells. Daily lunch and buffet at Seawells every day, Monday through Friday, except when they're closed, 11 till 2. And make sure you get down for, no doubt, a roast beef Friday this Friday. And for the very best in the catering business, all you got to do is call Seawells, 803-771-7385, online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. All right, Hale McGranahan, the big spur, reported a couple of hours ago to his readers that former Auburn quarterback Robbie Ashford has told him he'll be visiting South Carolina on Friday. Things go live again on Friday for both high school visits and transfer visits. And so Robbie Ashford, according to Hale, visiting South Carolina on Friday, began his career, you might recall, at Oregon. Wide receiver David Rodriguez, Providence, Rhode Island, going to play his senior season at that powerhouse, St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Start classes there next week. He's close friends with USC freshman quarterback Dante Reno from their days together at Loomis Chafee School in Connecticut, the Loomis, Loomis Chafee School in Connecticut. And the Gamecocks have been one of his favorites. Says he's keeping in touch with Reno to see how he fits in with the Gamecocks. He talks with USC recruiter Pete Limbo and director of player personnel Taylor Edwards. Planning a return visit to USC, no date's been set. First visited in mid-November. He named the top five of USC, Clemson, Maryland, Michigan, USF. Clemson the only one which is not offered. He did visit Clemson last November. His grandmother lives in Greenville. He said receivers coach uh, Tyler Grisham talks to him about every other day. And he plans to visit, Grisham does, plans to visit once the dead period ends this week. Not sure when the Gamecocks plan to visit, but they did check him out last season. Said he'll visit USF on the 20th. He's also considering a visit to West Virginia. And he said he's planning to make his decision late this month. Asked if he has a feeling on a particular school he'll choose. He responded, possibly. Quarterback Ryan Montgomery of Finley, Ohio, has firmed up two of his January visits, USC on the 20th, Georgia on the 22nd. And his father said dates for trips to Florida and Auburn are still to be determined. Montgomery will go into his senior season with career passing numbers of 7,584 yards and 89 touchdowns and rushing 740 yards and 15 touchdowns. USC target wide receiver Caleb Cunningham of Ackerman, Mississippi, Going to visit Auburn January 20th, Oklahoma January 27th, Florida February 3rd, according to Chad Simmons of On3. He visited USC last April. USC target offensive tackle Jalen Gilchrist of Virginia Beach will visit Virginia this weekend. 
He is scheduled to visit USC on the 27th. USC and Clemson in the top six with defensive end Ari Watford of Norfolk, Virginia. The others are Ohio State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, and Penn State. Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports said Watford has set visits to Clemson on the 27th and Penn State on February 3rd. Reminder, USC target defensive end Zahir Mathis of Philadelphia will announce tomorrow at 1 o'clock. He's had USC, Ohio State, Florida State, Texas, and Tennessee as his favorites. USC offered 2026 receiver Jaden Kitchens, 6'2", 180 of Clinton, Maryland. Ole Miss transfer running back Quinshawn Judkins last night, right after the national championship game, I think it was, committed to Ohio State. Alabama defensive tackle transfer Isaiah Hastings committed to Missouri. And that's that. That is it. That's what we got. So keep an eye out for Robbie Ashford visiting South Carolina. Good athlete. Uh, more of a running quarterback than he is a throwing quarterback, isn't he? From what I recall of his numbers? Sure. That sure as in sure or sure as in <laughs> I don't know sure? I don't know. Oh. All right, Pat, you I'm had just, something I'm you wanted to say? No, go ahead. Go ahead, Pat. Go ahead. Go ahead. Everybody go ahead. I'm shutting up. Go ahead. You first, Chris. Go ahead. I was just going to say I've, I've been thrilled that there haven't been any movements here the past couple of days in the transfer portal. It's been nice. Well, it's gone dead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the visit, visitation uh, period. It ought to be dead for a long time. All right. Robbie Ashford, uh, in his career, has passed for 1,758 yards and nine touchdowns and nine interceptions. And – Let's see. Uh, running the football, he has run for 927 yards and 12 touchdowns. So, I don't know. I guess he's a double threat. Pat, what you got? Well, I was going to bring up something about Washington and Michigan, but I don't think we have time. So, we just had a caller actually call from Augusta. Steve in Augusta. And I want to make sure we get this in tonight because of the Bobby Bentley conversation. And we've talked so much on this show about high school football and the changing landscape and great collegiate and a lot of schools like that and where they should fit in and now having to reconfigure South Carolina high school football. Well, Steve was saying that he has a very close friend that coaches up in Tennessee, and it's his understanding that in that state, a little different from here, the public schools and private schools are purposely scheduled to play against each other during the regular season so that when they get to the playoffs, you can't have the, oh, well, we beat this team or didn't beat this team, but there's a completely separate playoff system for only public, only private. But they do kind of cross the stream during the regular season and play each other a little bit. Curious, your thoughts. You know better than me the high school football landscape here, the two of y'all, how different that is from here, and if maybe that's something you think we might see adopted here in this state that might help fix the issue. That's a good question. I don't know how many of the true, like, skeezer teams could cross-play um, the, the schools of, say, equivalent league from the high school league, you know, like uh, when a Skiza yeah. goes to Skiza expanded to four A, right? Correct. So if you took the four A Skiza teams, put them up against the four A high school league teams, I think you'd see a lot of mismatches. Hammond would yeah. be about the only one, right? That I would, would think so. That would yeah. have a chance. Yeah, sounds right. So um, I don't know that those matchups would be really good in our state, and it's because of population, it's because of size. Sure. You know, in Tennessee's got a lot bigger population, bigger cities, many more schools. Um, so we'll see how this new system works out with the with the counting that they're doing and how they're rearranging teams with that uh, multiplier 
trying to even things up. One more note on uh, Robbie Ashford here. Apparently he visited Utah um, this past weekend, has two years of eligibility. So he was at Utah. Here's a picture of him in Utah, and it's snow everywhere. And, uh, of course, we'll see what it is in Columbia this weekend um, if he's going to be green. I think the temperature is supposed to drop after this system moves through. That is correct. As I recall. And it's supposed to rain again on set on Friday. So, yay. By the All way, I was uh, weather. I was looking ahead to February 16th with my uh, weather app on my phone. It gives you 45. No, I can do 100. I can do a. Is it 45 days in advance? I can do sure, 45. Sure, that's accurate. Yeah. February 16th, <laughs> opening of the baseball season, is supposed to be 55 degrees. So okay. make your plans accordingly. Okay, that'll do it. We'll have post game of the USC game later on our website. We'll see you tomorrow.